Tree Talking Time is brought to you by Conkeys Outdoors. Get all your hound hunting needs at Conkeys.com. Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest feists to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. Welcome back to another episode of Tree Talking Time. I'm your host, Ben Sheets. Just wanted to come on and uh, say Merry Christmas to everybody. Hope you had a great Christmas holiday. I know uh, this week's still a bit holiday mode as we, we creep our way towards the new year, which means 2023 is coming to an end, which is just blows my mind. So this week will be a blur. It'll be a very busy week, even though, you know, with work and holidays and maybe even some hunting mixed in there. So it'll be a busy week, that's for sure. But I uh, just want to make sure I, I said Merry Christmas to everyone and hope you had a great Christmas. This episode is going to be kind of like a, you know, a, a recap of, of some of my favorite stories from this year. Before we get into that, I do want to definitely say thank you to the sponsors that have come on this year and, and partnered with me and, and have helped me be able to bring you this podcast, you know. If this podcast takes a lot of time. It does take some money. You know, there's a lot of equipment and stuff that I've purchased over the years, and it's definitely helped with a lot of that. So I really do want to thank those sponsors. They've they've really helped. And and not only are they just are they are they sponsors and they're just money or anything, they're all good friends. Um, you know, I've become great friends with Zach and Corey from from Conkeys, and you know I've gotten the, the opportunity to talk to Bruce a couple of times and. Man, I'm looking forward to maybe one day getting down there and actually getting to spend some time with him. You know, if you missed that episode, it's a great one. And uh, also, just if you miss his post in, in a couple of the different Coonhound groups and on Facebook or even on the UKC forums, he uh, he's very thought-provoking, has some great topics, and uh, has a really good point of view that I always enjoy. Even even times when I don't necessarily agree, it's it's thought-provoking. It makes you think and makes you question what what you do you do believe in so he's a great one to listen to and he has a lot of experience so definitely check that episode out you know Jason and Danny from Full Cry me and Jason became good friends with, while working with W and we'll get there in a second cuz we're still working with W but you know uh got to know him really well through that and then when he took over the when him and Danny took over the magazine I've, I've gotten to know Danny since then a little bit and and their family more and it's been great getting to know them a little more and uh, great people. And I'm, I'm so happy they, they took over that magazine. And if you haven't checked out the full cry magazine, you definitely need to. It's, it's great. Um, I'm super happy. It's funny because probably a year ago or probably a year and a half ago, me and Jason had a conversation about magazines and, and kind of what we described it, what we wanted to see. And it's just funny how things worked out that he was able to purchase Full Cry and, and literally turn Full Cry into what we talked about. So I'm very excited and so happy for them and their growth. And I look forward to seeing that grow even more this year, you know, as, as they get more and more episode, more and more issues, not episodes. I think they're going to continue to grow that. And if you're not subscribed, I highly recommend it. I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. It's, it's not what it was. But I think it's it's great in its own right. And then lastly but not least, I do thank uh, W for continuing to work with me and, and helping me out. You know, Buddy and Jason have 
been there from the beginning. You know, I launched my first, I, I don't know, I think eight episodes with them um, over two years ago and really helped me learn how to produce a podcast and, and how to do all this. And they've been very helpful in critiquing me and showing and teaching me what I needed to do and, and kind of helping me get where I needed to go before I jumped out on my own. And then even after that, you know, they've helped me with the initial merch launch and, and stickers, like all my stickers that I had at Autumn Oaks. If you, if you were at Autumn Oaks, Buddy made those. And, uh, so I definitely want to thank Buddy as well. And, uh, it's been great working with him. So thank you guys. I really do appreciate it. And not only thank you to those, those sponsors, but thank you for all you listeners. Without you, this wouldn't make sense for them to come in and, and help me and, and wouldn't make sense for them to try to spend advertising dollars to, you know, to advertise to you guys. And so I really appreciate it. You know, there's a lot of people that have listened that have, have bought my merch. And, uh, if you're interested and you haven't, or if you're interested, there's some new stuff. Um, it's treetalking.com. Hopefully in 2024, we're going to get some hats on there. I've had some made. I sold some at Autumn Oaks and they seem to be a hit. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, lining up a vendor to make those and get them shipped and everything where, you know, having a small batch made and, and everything was a little just the logistics of it it's a little different versus a show versus you know online sales so just getting all that stuff lined up to be able to make that happen so hopefully uh soon that will happen but i just thank each and every one of you you know i appreciate all the messages and all the feedback if you've had suggestions uh there's been some constructive criticism i know my audio sometimes I get complacent and I don't adjust it the greatest. Um, I don't emphasize my own audio. I, I tend to prioritize my guest. But as a podcast listener, I, I completely understand that. It can be annoying <laughs> to have to adjust all, you know, your volume because you can't hear one person, but, you can, but then you turn it up and then the other person's really loud. So I completely understand it. and. And I trust me, I'm, I'm right there. If, you, if you've turned one of my episodes off, I, I get it. I've done it. I've, there's been plenty of episodes of other podcasts that I've done the same thing. So if uh, that's an issue or you, if there's ever anything else, that you th- I'm, I'm open to any constructive criticism. You know, I'm, I can take it. I appreciate it. I'm always trying to make this better. I'm a one-man band here. So sometimes things do slip to the cracks. Sometimes I don't always do the best job. <laughs> But I appreciate the guys that have tried to help me out and said, hey, you know, you got to fix this or tweak that. And so I, I appreciate those guys. I appreciate, uh, you know, the suggestions. I've had some great guests on this show that were suggestions that people that I wouldn't have thought about or people that I didn't know. And, you know, they've, they've turned out to be great episodes. So I do appreciate those suggestions. You know, after two years and plus all the other podcasts, it can be difficult to get some good original guests. And, and I'm not saying that guys and gals that haven't been on other podcasts aren't good. But if, they're, if they've been on other podcasts, I try to try to have a different take or try to have a different topic or something to cover with them. So that way you're not hearing the same thing from me and all the other hound hunting podcasts. 
without th- further ado, we'll get into the the highlights of this uh, this year and uh, hear some good stories that were my favorites. Part of producing a podcast is is very selfish. I I enjoy these conversations. I enjoy getting to meet these people and talk to these people. And so we're gonna listen to my some of my favorites. So hope you enjoy these ones as much as I did. We start off with episode fifty eight with John Saunders, and uh, we're just talking about Tree and Kerr's and his male dog Boone, who's the trinker he's got right now, and uh, kind of his ideal dog and what he likes in a dog. And the last line of this clip is what really just hooked me on, on this being one of my favorites from this year. We got Boone uh, and and got him going, got him started. Now what's he out of? Boone is actually, he's a grandson of Jim and Bo mm-hmm. um, and a grandson of Tree Knock and Mike on okay. the bottom side. That he was, he was what I was looking for in a young dog. Um, those dogs, are, like I said earlier in the conversation, they're the type of dog, when this dog would run a deer, they were st- extremely junky. Uh, if he would jump a deer, you didn't run a deer for like 20 minutes. He run a deer for, <laughs> for like half the day. You know, yeah. you'd catch him in, you'd catch him three miles away from him. But mm-hmm. if he treed, he was treed. Um, and I guess a lot of people wouldn't like that at all. For me, that's the kind of dog I'm looking for. I want one that's got that that fire, you know. Yep. Uh, I can I I can dial it down, but I can't turn it up. <laughs> Do you tend to like a dog that's a little heavier on the hound, heavier on the cur? You know, looks mouth. What what are you what are you looking for? For me, I want a dog that leans more towards the hound side. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a lot of these dogs that, uh, you know, there are a little more curry acting, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's a place for that. But what I, what I do see in these dogs is they're the type of dog that can get treated on the, on a really, really bad day when things are terrible, you know, when it's windy or it's cold, it's raining, these dogs are still going to, they're, they're going to get cut get deep and try to make a tree yeah um and for me that's what i'm looking for mm-hmm. uh you know i want i want one that that whenever you're turning you've got to pick him off a tree somewhere um uh, and that's the that's the way that the boom dog is he's uh he's not a real easy dog to handle uh when you turn him you've got to catch him somewhere now mm-hmm. if game's thick he's going to tree right in front of you but i guess to answer your question i like one that's more houndy myself um, okay. now I don't want him. I don't want him running the track all day long. I don't want an open mouth dog. Uh, these dogs tend to be still mouth, mm-hmm. um, but they come on tree with a locate. I like that. You know, I guess that goes back to, to being a coon dog man. Yeah, I like that big locate uh, when they roll over. I like a good hard tree dog. Um, so for me, I like the hound part more. You know, I I, I can take one being more houndy than less. I guess is probably the best way to answer that question. One of the highlights of my years, I go to the Great American Outdoor Show, which is in, is in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and it is the largest consumer outdoor expo in the country. And they have one big room just full of outfitters. And even before all the podcast, one of my favorite things was to go talk to these outfitters that were hound hunters. And now I just happen to uh, take some recording gear along with me. And I've met some great guys and, and had a blast talking to them. And one of the ones that I got to talk to 
last year was Brandon Lane. And in episode 61, he tells us a pretty intense story uh, about a really big bear that he killed. That one was really memorable for me, and it was a great story, and Brandon's a great storyteller, and I look forward to seeing him this year again and maybe having him back on either this year or down the road. (laughs) All right. So the story that really rings a bell there from this past season was we had a group of younger guys in camp, and we put down on a on a on a bait there, and the dogs are off. And after about two hours, there we're getting walking down the old tote road, and I got the hunter set up there, and he's using a single shot thirty thirty. The bear steps out, probably fifteen feet away there, and the dogs are around it, and tell the hunter to shoot, and the gun goes click. I turn around and I look at him like, you know, what's that all about? And he's like, it won't go off. So he puts another bullet in and it goes click there. And after doing it four times, and this whole time this is transpiring, it sounds like it's just a few seconds there, but it's over a couple minutes. Me, the dogs, and the hunter and his buddy were all on the road walking down this little two-track dirt road there. And the, the, I turn around and look at the hunter there, and he yells at me. And I turn back around and look, and the bear's coming at me. And I just swung around. I had my pistol in my hand there, and I swung around, and I was close enough so when the barrel hit the head there, I pulled the trigger. And needless to say, it was 518 pounds dressed there. So, it, yeah, it was it was definitely a moment that none of us will ever forget. I can tell you that. And I looked at the kid, and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry there, but, you know, the safety will come first. And his words were, I, I thank you. He said, and I appreciate everything you did. He says, now you got the taxidermy bill, and I don't. So, <laughs> It worked out good in the end. Man, that was intense. How would you like to come face-to-face with a bear that big? I know I wouldn't, so (laughs) I'm glad it wasn't me. In our next clip from episode 72, Zach and Corey, before before they came on as sponsors, they had them on, and we were talking about coon hunting down there in the armpit of America where they live. And uh, Zach had a crazy story like right before we recorded, so let's hear about that. Corey, you want to tell Thursday's story? Yeah, so uh, we we get uh, actually it was it's kind of crazy. I got off work and I'm headed home. Right before I get home, a tree had laid across our road, knocked our power out. So then we're dealing with all that. And uh, I think uh, Zach rolled in later on that night. My brother wanted to come. Um, he was up from college. Um, he has a his uh, girlfriend with him. Um, she's from Johnson City, Tennessee. She's been coon hunting a couple times, and and she's been wanting to go. So. Um, he was wanting to take her and show her kind of what we do and all that. So we're like, all right, great, come on. So we're always happy to have new people and, and get them excited and hunting for sure. But so they jump in the truck, we go over there and uh, we turn them out and uh, we turned out uh, Zach's dog, Charlie, and we turned out that blue tick and um, Charlie went in there good. And the blue tick went left-handed um, and they, she don't like to be with other dogs. She took off left-handed and uh, went about 400 yards and, um, started, she struck and, and treed, I mean, within minutes, it, it wasn't long at all. And, um, I was so excited that she treated coon. I was, I mean, we jumped in the truck and we're getting over there pretty quick. So especially that first tree, uh, you know, everybody wants to get in there quickly and, and see what they're doing and see if they got a coon. So we get in there and, um, sure enough, there's like three, coon, there's three coons up there. And uh, we get to get in a position where we can shoot it. And I, I got a semi-auto pistol that I shoot, um, which is really good. It's nice because you can carry it easier. It's yeah. lighter. Um, when you're walking in the woods, it's just way easier to carry. So, um, well, we, we were letting, um, my, our, um, brother's girlfriend shoot the coon 
And so she starts shooting and shooting and she hit it a few times and it just was not wanting to come out. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know what's going on. And Zach yells, Oh, I got a shot over here. So we're like, okay. So at this point she's kind of like, all right, I'm done shooting like here, just, just shoot it and get the coon out. So I come over there by Zach and um, start shooting again and shooting again. And I'm, this thing just does not want to fall out. Um, well then, um, about that time, Zach, Zach yells and he's like, ouch. And I'm like, what's going on? And, uh, one of the shells had hit him right about his collarbone and burn him. Um, it hurt, it hurt like crazy. And when, when that happened, he kind of yelled a little bit and, uh, it, it burned him pretty good right there on his collarbone. Well, when that happened, he backed up a step and it wasn't, it was the next shot. I mean, it got him right in the eye, the shell it, casing did. It felt like it felt like I was blind. I'm not even kidding you. And I don't know if, oh, if, no. you've, if you've ever been hit in the eye with something hot or anything. But if, if one eye won't open, um, your other eye has trouble opening. So yeah, uh, I basically one eyed my way back to the truck um, through a canal and all kinds of stuff. And uh, like you know, Corey's wife's a vet tech. My wife used to well, she's back working for a optometrist, so she had she was having Corey test my eye in the truck with his light and. They were like, you want to go to the hospital? And at that time, my dog's treat. And I'm like, let's get in there to her. And uh, I couldn't walk to see her treat, but Corey got a video of it. Um, and then the rest of the night, I sat there with the ice pack. But um, I will tell you this. Uh, if if There's no better hunting buddy than, than Corey is because they let me stay at their house. Um, gave me an ice pack when I got up. Uh, you know, Corey's wife, Kelsey, gave me some medicine uh my wife called me about 50 times checking on me during the night i um, was sure. stressing out i couldn't drive home couldn't see but uh then the next morning he drove me to the eye doctor he filled out my paperwork <laughs> um he actually helped the eye doctor work the machine uh, it was a new machine for the eye doctor he helped him work the machine uh took me to work i said it worked kind of miserable but then he took me to get my prescription after and uh you can't ask for a better hunting buddy than that but he also um, kind of shot me in the eye so <laughs> um i guess he, he felt kind of bad too he felt guilty I kind of felt like i had to right now nah, i'd do it and do it all over again i i actually thought he was being weak at first and i'm like man i, I don't know it's just dying and uh, i knew this is how i knew he was really hurting because i've offered him to stay at the house uh, many a nights i mean whether we were just hanging out and it was late or whatever and no oh, i'll go home or you know i gotta ride home or whatever and um, he ain't never stayed at the house. And and that night he said, I got to stay at your house. And I'm like, Oh yeah, go ahead. And so I knew he was in a bind then. Yeah. <laughs> but it's about a 35 minute drive home. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. We we've hunted till three 30 in the morning and I, and he's like, stay at the house. I'm like, I'm going home. My wife got mad at me for not staying at his house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I roll in about, you know, four 30 in the morning, but, uh, uh but now nah, you can't, you can't ask for a better, a better hunting buddy than Corey. <laughs> Conkeys Outdoors is proud to be a sponsor of Tree Talking Time. Family, hunting, tradition is the Conkeys motto. They understand the importance of passing down the tradition of hound hunting. They are a family-owned business that treats you like family. They also understand the importance of having the gear you need when you need it. Conkeys carries everything for your next hunt, and it ships to your door quick. They also offer great warranties on all tracking systems and financing options. Check them out at Conkeys.com. You can also use the code TREETALKINGTIME5 in all caps to save as well. Next up is a story from Jeremy Garner. This is probably the number one downloaded episode I had this year, but we're going to make sure we don't tell Jeremy Garner that. His head's already big enough, so definitely don't want it to get any bigger. Here's a story about a pup Jeremy was hunting uh, named Honey. 
She was only five months old at the time in this story and just really impressed me. That's why I wanted to include it in this episode. I remember what I was doing, but I wasn't going to hunt. And I come home and my wife says, you know, you got about two hours before it gets dark. Take hunting, go hunt. So I throwed her in a truck and I, I very rarely do I go to public ground. I just, I just don't like public hunting because you don't never know who you're going to run into. On public ground, any idiot can go buy a hunting license, go buy a gun, and go sit in public ground somewhere and don't know nothing about safety. You know, oh, yeah. so I just don't, I don't like going. I Definitely. don't like being, you know, but this particular day, I've got a few spots that they flood a lot and nobody else takes a dog to because they're dangerous. But I'll take pups there. I'll, I'll take a chance and take them there because it's a lot of game in there. So I went this afternoon and it was rainy. I mean, it, it was just a bad afternoon. So Briar didn't go with me. And uh, I went, and it, she had made one or two trees, nothing. I, I you know, just, I, I, I can't remember if it was den trees, or I just, I wasn't seeing nothing. And uh, she is, I guess I could say she's semi-open. She don't really have what I call, she don't have a ball mouth like Bama. Okay. But when she gets, when she gets excited, she's got a real squally locate to her, you know. Mm-hmm real short and I heard her give that little squall locate and I said oh this is a hot one here you know I, I'll probably shoot a squirrel when I get there. just what I'm thinking walking it and, and then she she's I'm watching her gone she's still moving barks a few more times as she's moving and I thought okay you know this is I mean this is another plus on this pup you know um, when I when I gauge a pup they don't uh, these albino ones they don't start at zero with me they start at negative because they're they're because they're already you know, they're already the wrong color. Yep. So they have to start on the negative scale where most everything else start at zero and work their way up. So I thought, well, you know, I mean, she's opening on crack. That's a plus. You know, she's moving on up on my on my non-color scale. And uh, I, I heard this little squall locate, and she, she started treating pretty, like, excited. And uh, so I thought, well, this is a hot one. I'm, I started kind of moving hastily. You know, I don't, I don't never run into a pup. I used to, uh, when I was younger, uh, you know, Tim Coke would laugh at me. It, it teased me a lot because, I mean, I'd look like last of the Mohicans running through the woods, jumping, jumping limbs and trees, you know. got already got my gun off safety, going in, ready to, you know, spray and pray. I'd go in there and shoot 40 times up the tree if that's what I need to do. But uh, I get to this I get to this pup's tree, and um, it's huge, huge old live oak. I mean, and I'm I'm looking all around. I'm like, you know, I mean, you can park a Volkswagen bug up in this thing and not see it. You know, no way I'm gonna find a squirrel. And as mm-hmm. I was walking, I'm like, she's just she's just treeing like crazy. And as I walk around behind the tree, it split. Or I guess maybe lightning hit it at one time. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know how they do. Half of them lay over and half of them standing, and they had a big split. And and she's kind of, it's not really. She's not getting in the split, but she's kind of barking, you know, into it. And I thought, well, she'd already treed that one coon and baited another one in a log. And I thought, well, I bet she's got a coon in there. And got my gun off safety. And I'm, I'm holding my gun, you know, a 22 rifle, but I'm holding it one-handed because 
just from experience, I go looking in a hole and something wants to jump out at me. I want to be able to go popping caps and you know. So I peek off in this hole, and I mean, I'm like, that's a dang bobcat in this hole. So, I mean, I I didn't even have time to think because I, I was like, well, you know, I don't want I don't want her getting on a bobcat because she ain't big as a minute. You know, it, it'll kill her. So I just stuck my gun in the crack of this tree, and I just went to blazing off, throwing some heat up in there. And that, that bobcat come boiling out of this tree. Uh, and I, as it come out, and she went to lunge for it, I, I scooped her up and grabbed her, uh, threw my gun on the ground. It was empty. Grabbed the pup, and this bobcat come boiling out of this busted-up tree, biting at itself. Thankfully, it kept going. I'm, like, screaming at it, you know, like you would like a you know some you see these videos of folks getting attacked by like buffaloes on the side of the road and they hollering hi i'm trying to hold the dog bobcat squalling and dogs barking and anyway it goes off about 100 yards or so and uh, i guess 100 yards i you know uh, was right on the edge of a little food plot and uh she's raising all kind of cane and, and it I, I finally hear it quit moving I tie her back, grab my gun, reload. I walk over there. I make sure it's dead. I walk back to her, unleash her, and let her track it on her own. And she tracks. Of course, she's seen where it went. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. She tracks right to it. And I mean, when I say mouthing on it, I mean, she was like mad at this bobcat. I mean, just, I mean, I can't even describe. I mean, you, you've heard old you've heard old dogs fighting a coon, right? Oh, yeah. Like, well, this bobcat was already, it was already pushing Daisy. And and she was just, she was fighting it like it was still alive. I mean, just mad at it. And, I, of course, I'm excited. You know, I'm like, I mean, ain't nobody going to believe me, you know. Uh, and I've had a couple of dudes on the, on the uh, one of the Facebook groups, uh, like Big Game Kimmers or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had a couple, of, a couple of them old Big Game guys. Some of them don't like me no way because of my mouth, but whatever. But a couple of them old boys are like, I can't believe, a, you know, a five and a half month old pup, you know, um, uh, trailed this bobcat up and, you know, worked the scent for blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, man, you, I don't care if you believe me or not. I'm just telling you what happened. So uh, I, I told this, I went back to the tree where she treated me and I put this bobcat up on the old busted up part. That was leaned up, and she, I unleashed her. She run right up that tree, and that's where you see I post all them pictures around. Yep. She straddled that. She straddled that cat, and would just throw that head up and just bark like crazy. I mean, she is game crazy, ridiculous. I think I'd mentioned, you know, well, I guess his pup's done enough. I'm gonna give her a name, and and Stacy, he piped up and he said, um, and I've known him for several several years, mm-hmm. and uh, he he piped up and he said. He said, I'd call her Tupelo Honey. That's where she got her name from. You know, a feist man. I <laughs> I got an albino dog that a feist man named for me. How, how's that? How's that for Carmen? And after all that, he still ended up calling her. <laughs> Luckily, he just moved her down the road to somebody else that she fit a little bit better. Her, uh, her build and her mouth just weren't quite what he was looking for. But... He's very picky, that's for sure. Well, if going face-to-face with a big black bear wasn't enough, here we are with 
Daryl back on the podcast again, going face to face with a mountain lion in a cave. I really appreciate Daryl and his son letting me come up and visit with him. You know, when Daryl was out this way uh, to see his his son and some of, and his grandkids and stuff. So I appreciate them letting me come up and, and kind of crash their day. And I only wish we would have been recording more. We He told some great stories, you know, while we were recording, but also when we got done recording as well. So I look forward to having Daryl on again. You know, he's got so so many different stories from just years and years of, of being a government hunter and trapper. So, but this one, this one's pretty, pretty cool. And, uh, I even took it and actually wrote an article for full cry for the, um, October issue where Daryl gave me some photos to use as well. So definitely check those out. But here's Daryl telling us a story about how he was face to face with a mountain lion in a cave. I got a call about uh, lion killing calves on a place. Anyway, I went out there and, and uh, they trailed it into kind of a big boulder pile. And uh, this huge rock had split in half. And uh, But to begin with, when I went there, uh, there was a, a Mexican family living there and uh, they had a dog pen and... Uh, they said this lion had been trying to get, they had two Rottweilers in there. It said the lion was trying to get in there. Jeez. And anyway, I made a circle above and found his track so I could see where he was bleeding a little bit. And uh, and plus, I, I could see it was pussy blood. And, and when he got to that cage, he did rub up against it and there was blood there what they didn't lick off, the dogs. So I thought that that was strange. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, I found where he went out through the the cows and uh, where he killed this calf. And uh, so I I put the dogs on that track and and they went around, they they came to this this place I'm talking about. There was trees there uh, in that part of the, the country, but, but anyway, uh, they couldn't get up uh, high, high enough. The, the cave dropped down where this rock split anyway. And there was a, you know, like a male spot, spot opening in there. And the lion was back under there in, uh, you know, in a cave about 20 foot around or whatever. And, and uh, so when I climbed up there and walked up there, the lion came out to the entrance and mm-hmm. growled at me, which is unusual. In fact, usually when they are in caves, they're clear back in the back, far, far away from the entrance. So uh, anyway, uh, and and I got down in there, and uh, I, I couldn't see anything, and uh, uh, I didn't have a flashlight. I usually carried one, but... Mm-hmm. The battery was dead. So, <laughs> anyway, and b- before I'd shot one in a cave using a match, you know, and when I shot my pistol off, the match blew out. And uh, so I, I didn't want to do that, and uh, especially with this line. So I went back to the ranch and got a flashlight, and uh, there was two young Mexican boys there, and they wanted to go back with me so I took them back and 
with me and, and uh, with the flashlight. And uh, when we got up there, that lion growled again. And one of them said, well, I've seen all I want to see. <laughs> and But the other one, he said, I'll go with you. And so we climbed down and, and then in, and I, I <clears throat> looked around in there with the flashlight, and I couldn't see it. But I couldn't see right behind me, right either side, very close. And I thought, well, man, he might be sitting right there. So anyway, I I uh, took the flashlight and and I told this kid, you know, if I, if I ho holler at you, and he he only spoke Spanish anyway, and but I speak Spanish. So anyway, I said, pull me out and. Uh, because uh, I had a shinny in there and uh, with a gun on my chest. And uh, I and I started in there, and he told me, Pat, he says, come back, come back, you know. So I came back, and he, when the light got inside, he looked, and that lion sitting right over the hole. Oh, geez. And, and you could just see his paw right there like this, looking, uh, sitting right above it. And uh, he said, he said, hey, that lion's right here, you know. And, and there, was, there was nothing I could do but go, go in. And I crawled in there on my back, you know. And uh, when my head cleared that, got inside there, before my arms could come out, that, that son of a gun was right above me, you know. And, and he he looked, you know, kind of laid his ears back and and looked like he was setting to jump. And I thought, oh Jesus! And I kind of froze for a second. And uh, uh, then I shinned, you know, and he relaxed a little bit. And I shinned, I finally got the gun up there and I I shot him. And you know, I was shooting straight up and he didn't make a very good shot. I hit him in the face and but you know but I was shooting between his eyes but it uh, was at a steep angle and that damn thing fell right on top of me cut my face open and and then went around that cave you know just pawing at his head and biting everything in sight you know and I just lay there what am I gonna do? <laughs> and and I I I did. I chicken. I told that guy pull me out. Well, he couldn't pull me out. I was laying on these rocks. And uh, uh, so anyway, I I had to shoot upside down, and and uh, that line was just going all over. And uh, I shot and missed it, and shot again and and killed it. But you know, it if it hadn't have been addled, you know, it it was just luckily it. Of everything it didn't bite in there, I was one of them. <laughs> Man, that was intense. If that didn't get your blood boiling, I don't know what will. Next, we have a story from Kenneth Chooch LaRue from episode 101. I just loved his storytelling and just describing how he grew up. You know, uh, very much like a Billy Coleman style, you know, upbringing and, uh, back in the backwoods of Louisiana where he talked about even not even having electricity and stuff when he was real little. And I was 
born down here on the Sabine River bottom in 1951. We live right on the edge of the bottom. My uh, my dad and them were trappers. They had wild hogs, wild cattle. Uh, they didn't really have a job per se. Mm-hmm. They lived off the land. Yeah. And so we learned how to trap. We like coons and mink and that, we sold hides and, you know, that's how we kind of made a living. Yeah. And, uh, so we started coon hunting, obviously coons was a big part of what we did. And, uh, so we run coons with dogs, uh, uh very few registered dogs at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are great dogs. Uh, but my dad in about 1956 or so, he ordered a black and tan dog from Tennessee that was going to be the, the cat's meow down here. <laughs> well, he come in on the train. We went and picked him up, brought him home. Uh, wasn't long. We took him out. And that rascal, uh, my dad named his Sputnik. About, about that time, the Russians had launched their satellite, and they called it the Sputnik because it'd go around yeah. the world. Mm-hmm. Well, that was probably a good name for him. <laughs> because that's some buck could run a deer around the world. There you go. But to my knowledge, we've never treated a coon with him. <laughs> so you had a but great boy, a deer dog, huh? Deer, I'm telling you, a beautiful black and tan. Uh, but boy, he was good. He was gamey. But anyway, we kept old Sputnik. We liked Sputnik. But it kind of like I kind of liked the black dogs after that. And uh, uh, even though we never treated a coon, mm-hmm. well, we uh, and with kids, we always hunted, you know, in the evenings, we'd come home from school and go hunting. And, uh, I, uh, so probably about 10, 11 years old, I got where I could go by myself. And, uh, I had a 16 gauge shotgun with electric tape holding the forearm on. <laughs> uh, we, uh, I had a bunch of old mutts around the house and I had a, a lantern that I walked with. And I had a two-cell flashlight in my pocket that I could shine the tree with. Mm-hmm. And I'd go off the creek bottom. And w- these little old dogs I had would tree everything. From, uh, if it went up a tree, they treated. And now, uh, When you say so, mutts, were they like cur dogs or were they, were they just they crossed were, up? They everything? were. Well, you know, down here in Louisiana, we kind of, our dog that we made was a Catahoula cur. Yep. And they, they were they were Catahoulas. Okay. And uh, they were, I mean, they, they were tree dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were rough stock, hogs and cattle and stuff like that. They they were good at all of it. Yeah. They were good universal dogs. Mm-hmm. But but they would tree. And uh, so I'd bomb an old coon out if I could find one of them. Boy, I'd shoot him up with that shotgun. And <laughs> when you skin him. It looked like it was raining, that BBs, that pellet falling out of the hide when you skit that son of a buck. But, uh, so I hunted, you know, all my life, all the way through. Uh, had me a dog and kept getting a little bit better dogs. As I bring this episode to a close and, and also this year to a close, we're going to, I just want to say thank you once again to the, the listeners, to the sponsors, to the guests. You know, I haven't said thank you to them publicly but you know without them trust me you wouldn't this podcast wouldn't exist i I can't do monologues it was hard enough doing it one time so it's not my favorite thing so uh 
I really appreciate the guest as well. And uh, we're going to close out with a quote. It's my favorite quote of the, the year from, uh, from Chuck Slattery in episode 92. Be sure to check out the January issue of Kuhnheim Bloodlines to find out even more about Chuck and his, his leopards. And, and uh, I hope everyone has a safe and happy new year. And I'll catch you all in 2024. Thank you. No, no. I think I told you the other day, I go to work every Monday morning. I'm like, man, this this work, man, this is getting in the way of my professional coon hunting career. And they just laugh at me, but, you know. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber. <laughs>